sir. Driven Society Podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. A little round of applause, you know what I'm saying, for making it again to another Saturday. Big up the homie in the building. Sign and sign. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, giving us that, those, those slots. We appreciate that, brother. Been asked. <laughs> and we have another dope guest in the building today. Hey, it's hey. Philanthropist. Uh, Harlem legend. Harlem legend. <laughs> <laughs> External affairs manager at Link NYC. Uh, founder of We Give Two and uh, Millie Rock Enthusiast. <laughs> My Millie Rock is so trash. <laughs> Jose Garcia. Formerly Bill, for those that Formerly are like, Bill. There you that go, name man. sounds familiar. Yeah, that was a Bill. That's what it I'm, is. Now I'm Garcia, probably. Garcia. All right, you got you to gotta roll that R, though. See ya. She'll do that. <laughs> the way, mm. yeah, I need another class of Spanish before I can do that one. <laughs> That's cool. But it's so dope to have Amalize on. Like, uh, I first, I don't know, we still trying to figure out how exactly we met. I think yeah. Franz knows. Mm-hmm. All I remember is coming uptown from Brooklyn, which is a journey. Mm-hmm. Maybe about five years ago or whatnot, and like meeting her the first time. And we were talking about. Nonprofit work, yep. doing the work. I think we had a curriculum we were building. Yes, we had then, Young Harlem. Tiffany and I had Young Harlem. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Um, and we were thinking about coming in and doing classes or yes. whatnot. We were cultivating, just starting a dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that's how long you've been here, just putting in the work, mm-hmm. being about community, which is super dope. Actually, came to our first event in yes. 2013. 2013. I mean, we didn't see you since then in any of our events. <laughs> <That's all good. laughs> but I will say this. I will say. Um, over the years, right, getting emails mm. and seeing the brand develop Beautiful. and being like, I know, I know these guys. Right, right, right. And like, this is so dope. And like, when you guys got the partnership with HBO and like sure. starting to see, you know, those emails come out. And I'm like, I remember when they were just talking about this thing yep. and like to see where it has evolved into. Um, yep. I'm super proud. Appreciate and life is that. funny. Yeah. Life is funny it like brings that. everybody back full Three, circle. Three, six. You know what's crazy? But like, I always bring up this quote. Issa Rae gonna sue me for like keep taking this quote. <laughs> but when she talks about like, you know, a lot of time people try to network mm. up, try to find a CEO, network whatnot, across. network across. This is five years ago yep. we've met. You know what I mean? And now we're still in a space mm-hmm. where we can actually even work together yep. now on different things. And it's just so happened where it's just it's the people. It's the people next to you. Yep. you know what I mean, you got to right. see. Who are really doing dope shit next to you? So um, yeah, that's uh yeah, and people people take that for granted. Yep. Like, you know, you're so busy sometimes looking for the CEO yep. or looking for the person in charge, and many times you're at these networking events and it's just chatting with the person that you're sharing, you know, a high table with, sure. you know, and knowing that that person is grinding and everyone is trying to do the same thing. Yep. Um, but that person's story can be like influential to what you're trying to do. Um, so I think many times just taking a step back to like really take advantage of the people that you're in the room with Absolutely. and not be so thirst For sure. to like yeah, yeah. want to meet the person at the top. Cause many times you, you can't really can't do anything with that relationship right now. Exactly. You know, it's too you can only take, and I'm sure. a big believer that if you can't do something for someone, mm-hmm. you can't bring anything into their life then don't waste their time trying to like have a meeting. You know, it has to be mutually beneficial. It has to be. Yeah. So if you can't think to yourself, okay, 
I can help this person with this. Mm. Or, you know, maybe I have a little bit of knowledge or expertise in this area that might be able to help them. You know, go into it being willing to give before being so quick to want to ask for help for sure. or ask for um, something. You know, it used to shock me when I realized people didn't know those principles of networking. Uh-huh. It, like a lot of people don't. People legit be emailing you. Now I'm in a position where people email us and we all are where people email mm-hmm. us, you know, one things and like... Um, they come at it from a point where they like they can't offer anything, you know no. what I mean, or they can't like they don't see any type of value proposition on there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. coming up, like I knew coming in, like how why would this person even entertain right. me if yeah. I can't? But a lot of people don't know that yeah. shit, which is so. interesting. I think we were just a little bit more humble because sure. you know we we didn't have we didn't have Instagram or that stuff, right? Like that wasn't out then, um, well, or maybe it was, but we but weren't. It wasn't like it wasn't, was probably fresh out. Yeah, it fresh wasn't. Out, yeah. You know, so. The idea yeah, of like having super out, yeah. like that much yeah. access to people wasn't True. really a thing. Like you had to go out to these networking events. You yeah. had to like cultivate relationships. Yeah, like I remember coming home from college, you know, 2012, 2013, and like having to go out and like you wanted to like meet someone or find your next job opportunity. It really was like going to these after work after work events, meeting folks, shaking hands, getting to know people. Now is people think that you can just like slide in someone's DM and like Make the whole Help deal me. happen. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I need this. I get that <laughs> I get that a lot. DMs like, yo, I got this music project coming up. It'd be cool if y'all could just post this and boom, boom. Like, bro, I don't know. I don't know you. Know you. you know what I'm saying? But I respect the hustle, but I don't right. know. Right. Yeah. Respect the hustle. You know, stay hungry, but you got to find other ways and other means to sure. like, you do that, but like, how are you going to try to get in front of that person? Sure, for sure. And we've, um, we've had the, you know, the, blessed opportunity to see you rise in the space and Aww. you know um work with so many brands and corporations or whatnot um let's take it back i guess yeah let's take <laughs> it back and talk about like first of all you know who you are and um where you're from and what inspired this love for community or even to work in this sector yeah so i alize garcia grew up in harlem uh, born and raised ended up going to howard studied I went in for international business because mm. during high school I had the privilege to study abroad. Um, and I remember like my last trip in Uganda, I got obsessed with pineapples and was trying to figure out how to get Ugandan pineapples to America. So it, it turned into like <laughs> international <laughs> trip. Kid okay. you not. So I'm like, I want to study international business when I go to Howard. Mm, um, but I didn't really enjoy the international business program like the, my freshman and sophomore year. So I transferred to switch to marketing, which was always my concentration. Mm. Um, spent those years at Howard interning at Bad Boy, Def Jam, um, the New York Stock Exchange, NFL, Mm. Mayor Bloomberg, all within like marketing, community affairs space. And when I graduated, I took a complete turn and started working with this tech company, tech recruiting company. And mainly because I knew that New York, Mayor Bloomberg at that time was trying to turn like New York into like the Silicon Valley of the East. And like Mm. all like he had this whole initiative of bringing all the startups to New York. So I'm like, you know, what? I don't know anything about tech, but tech recruiting sounds interesting. It'll get me in the world, in the field. Um, It was the worst job of my life. I used to cry every day on the seven train. Every day. (laughs) Um, But at the same time. My best friend and I was building our nonprofit organization that we had started before we went to college called Young Harlem, Youth Mm. Under New Guidance. And it was started because of the gun violence that was um, on the rise when we were leaving to go to college. Mm. My ex-boyfriend at the time witnessed him getting 
get shot in front of me. Wow. You know, there was a big shootout on 125th Street. Oh, you from Harlem, Harlem. Well, actually, 125th Avenue. I mean, it is still Harlem, Harlem, but... Yeah, she mm. repped man hard just It now. was still... <laughs> Yeah, it was bodies. It's not real uptown, uptown, <laughs> okay, but gosh. you know, nonetheless, you know, it was it was Time Harlem sure. just was just it, yeah, was, yeah. it was something crazy. weird was happening. Yeah, yeah. So we put together Young Harlem as a means to just highlight people that was doing work to prevent gun violence That's in the dope. community. Super dope. That turned into us trying to start a nonprofit at 18 and not knowing what we were doing. Um, but knowing that like in the summer times, it's like statistically shown that there's less things for the youth to do, which means that it's more time for them <clears throat> to get into some negative things in the community. Yep. Also at that time, the number of programs were after, like summer programs was being cut. So like mm-hmm. there was nothing for kids to do in the summer. So we were like, you know, we're going to try to start like putting these events, putting these programs, these summer programs together. And, you know, we did the best that we could at 18 and at 18, 19, 20. Um, but we didn't realize the business behind having a nonprofit and like, mm-hmm. you know, making sure you have the rights to your name and like getting sued for that. Like by wow. someone. Yeah, that was like a whole thing because we used to be Young Harlem Y-O-U-N-G. Mm. And someone said that we took their name. So then we had we someone from Howard. Can't remember his name, but thank you, whoever you are again, gave me the idea of the acronym mm. Y.U.NG mm. and t- making it stand for something. Oh, then you switched it up. Right. Because wow. we were like, we're, we're not going to. Did you actually get sued or you got to stop it? The cease and desist. We got this, yeah, cease and desist. And wow. then, like, we found out it was somebody from our church. Like, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Wow. This, yeah, I won't even put that out there because yeah. it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and. So we kind of we did some rebranding and then we started Young Harlem University, bringing people from the community and young professionals to teach kids like business. So they would like someone would come in and teach the students one piece of like the business model. And then the students were um, responsible for coming up with a business for their demographic um, at the end of the program. And we really enjoyed it um, a lot. And. But unfortunately, like I started working for the mayor's office, mm. Tiffany moved. And when I was working in the mayor's office, um, we couldn't I couldn't no longer work in the nonprofit space, um, which was, you know, disheartening. Conflict yeah, conflict of interest. So that was the main reason. But for me, my passion for the community just all it, I think it stemmed from my parents. Like my dad owns a business in Harlem. Mm. Like my family's like very Harlem. Very, very Harlem. Mm. Um but they always taught me, like, to whom much is given, much is expected and required. For sure. So for me, it's always been, you know, no matter what I do, I need to make sure I'm giving back in some capacity. Um, and I can't be as great as I want to be if, like, where I come from or the people that matter to me mm-hmm. isn't doing great as well. So it's always been instilled with, instilled in me that, like, whatever room I'm in, you know, it's my responsibility to figure out how to, like, either help other people to gain access to that room, mm. gain access to that, you know, particular project or product I'm working on um, to make sure that I am being our voice um, and not forgetting where I come from. Oh. Um, so it's interesting. I think like in all of my roles, that has been like the common thread mm-hmm. of, you know, now working at Link NYC, yep. um, you know, making sure that people of color have access to digital advertisements and like making sure they understand how this product works. Um, And when I was at Big Brother, Big Sister, you know, having the opportunity to diversify the mentor base and 
put mentors of color in front of these children of color to show them that what they want to be, they can actually achieve that thing, you know, and having partnerships with people outside of the box that maybe the nonprofit would not have like looked to, to have those relationships with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for me, it's just like, we all have a duty to make sure. sure that we bring each other along in some capacity in some way, you know, because if we are lucky enough to be in that room, we have to make sure that we're not the last person to be in that room. Absolutely. What kind of initiatives are you working on now? So, I mean, once I left the nonprofit space, one of the things that I realized was that a lot of nonprofit organizations, a lot of nonprofit organizations believe that people of color don't want to volunteer or that it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. Um, and it's not that we don't want to volunteer. It's that, the organization isn't positioning themselves it's to connect It's kind of hard us. to ask people of color to volunteer. That, I mean, I mean, that language is kind of shaky. That's another thing, given too. Given our historical uh, involuntary. Yes, and, that, and, that's, and that's another thing, too. <laughs> Volunteering, you know, especially like Big Brother, Big Sister, for example, you know, is something that is almost kind of like elitist. Like what I would, what I would find is that mm. like people that were coming, they were going to get their MBA or like they were... You know, like they were using it as a means to like better position their resume for a program or a degree, excuse me, additional degree that they were going to go get. For us, many times, it's not that we didn't want to. One, it was like we didn't know about the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, it's like, well, if I'm going to mentor this kid, I can just mentor the young boy down the block for me. Yeah, for sure. Like like we don't want these structured programs to do something that we think that we can do on our own. But I think it's just better explaining to us that, like, you can still have that unstructured relationship with this child that he might he might not be right from your block, but he may be two, you know, communities down, but he's still a representation of you, you know? Um, so once I saw that, I was like, you know, once I left the space, I was like, I still wanted to be involved in nonprofit because I do believe that we need to give back more because mm-hmm. we have so much to share. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's really hard to find volunteer opportunities. So I started this website called We Give Two, which basically is pulling in all these volunteer opportunities in just a more cooler way. Like the website just looks cooler. Right, right. Um, I'm like highlighting community champions, people that are giving back that look like us. Because mm-hmm. I think for us, like when we see people that look like us doing it, it's like, yeah. well, I can do it too. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so I started that and like really didn't have like an idea of like what I wanted from it. Mm. Uh, but right now we are working with like corporate companies to help plan their like CSR initiatives, corporate oh, social nice. responsibility initiatives. So I'm actually excited to see where that grows, um, mm. you know, being able to connect the corporate world with the community um, and so forth. So sure. that's definitely a space that um that needs disruption. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and it can be done in a special way. Like, like what you said was key. Was like they're not positioning themselves to attract the right yeah. people to volunteer, especially people of color. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we've um, big brothers, and because, although I, I definitely respect everything they do as an organization in the community, like, but there's ways of really reaching out and targeting mm-hmm. this community, especially the space we're in, yeah. to really like you know have really active people coming out and, mm-hmm. and volunteering but that space needs it just needs a, a new creative direction yeah like we would volunteer with like different corporate erg groups or we mm-hmm. would like go to day parties and like be like well we'll sit at the counter and like when people are coming in like 
people can donate that way yep. while they're checking in to go into the day party. You know, so it's like I'm learning about something while I'm on my way to turn up. Right, you know, sure. whether we're like partnering with like organizations like yourself that's like in front of, yep. you know, this millennial of color population yep. that, you know, I'm sure they're thinking about like, okay, I want to do more. I just don't know where to go. Yeah. Um and I think if more organizations took that attempt and took that route, mm-hmm. they would see an increase of volunteers of color. And, you know, and understanding that we donating is another piece, right? Like mm. we might not be able to donate our means, but we may be able to donate our skill set. And sure. that's just as valuable. You Absolutely. know, like yeah. if I, I might not be able to write a check every month for $5,000, but I'm a great writer Mm. And I can help you guys with your grant proposals mm. or, you know, I have the opportunity as a podcast. I can give exposure to the organization. You For know, sure. like there's a lot of ways, cool and innovative ways that we can give back and donate. And that's why I like to tell people of color, like, don't feel that your pockets have to stop you and prevent you from mm-hmm. being involved in this nonprofit and philanthropic space. You know, be creative in the way that you want to give of your time and your resources, because that also helps a nonprofit organization. For sure. For someone who's operating in like the nonprofit space as mm-hmm. well as been able to, you know, um, <clears throat> infiltrate these organizations, <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know why. I that sounds that so. That sounds like word. It's a good word. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, word. You got the infiltrate organizations. <laughs> it's like you have transitioned and assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like I'm a spy. <laughs> I don't know why I knew it. I knew when I said that it was gonna be funny. But anyway, um, be a part of these organizations. Mm-hmm. What What could you teach someone who's like really doing it on their own and trying mm-hmm. to be in a nonprofit space about um, um, what could they learn from the organizational structure mm-hmm. um on how to, on certain skill sets that they can use on how to activate um the corporations to benefit. Mm. Nonprofits. So I think people, my dad would always tell me, be selfish, right? Whether mm. you're in a nonprofit space or in the corporate space, right? Mm. And my husband always tells me, know where the money's coming from. Like, mm. if you know where the money's coming from, you'll know if you, you'll know how to keep your job. Mm. Um, Interesting. Because a lot I of like people that. don't know how their company makes money. Which means For you sure. don't know how you get paid. Yeah. Yep. Which means you don't know. That's a good point. They come in and just do <laughs> their nine to five. How not... to prevent yourself from getting cut and how to like truly mm. add value to this to these companies. Um, but in the nonprofit space specifically, like as you're if you're looking to build a nonprofit organization, you know it's great whether you're going to work there or shadow or volunteer. You know, take a look at, you know, the process of how they go out to get funding. You know, do they, you know, how they interact with the government and like elected mm-hmm. officials to get their funds, how they interact with other foundations to get their funds. What is the leadership structure looking like? How, you know, how do they build their board? What, who does the board consist of? Mm-hmm. Because that's something that's very important too. Your board has to be strong. So that means mm-hmm. you have to do a lot of networking. You need to network with people that have money mm-hmm. because that. Are the folks? Those are the folks that are <laughs> responsible Look, for that. Quick question on that: mm-hmm. For your board, um, should it, or maybe it should be a mix of both? You let me know. Are mm-hmm. you focusing? Would you focus on people who have the means or people who have influence? Because sometimes people who have influence don't have necessarily the means. I think this is a this is it's a little bit of both, mm-hmm. but more means than anything. Because mm-hmm. as a board member, you have a goal that you need to bring in each year for this organization. As a mm-hmm. board member, you have the right to. Um, hire and fire 
the CEO and any C-level executives of the organization. Like the board holds a lot of power. Like when sure. people are starting these, when you're starting your nonprofit, many times you're like, oh, I'm gonna put my aunt on the board. Yeah. I'm gonna put my best friend on the board. I'm gonna put my cousin on the board. Then you can have a situation where those folks can vote you out of power, yep. yeah. you know, because they are the ones that are the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like that's, that's how you equal out and balance out power in a, yeah. in a nonprofit organization. So you need to be very strategic on, you know, the people that you're bringing in as board members um, that's going to help sustain the organization. So like, these are the things that you should be thinking about because like you have to build a very good foundation mm. to have a strong nonprofit organization Sure. and strong nonprofit organizations consist of having a great structure and having a, a lot of funding mm. and funding from many different vehicles and, and, and places because government mm -hmm. funding is not secure all the time. Mm. You know, like if, you know, when we were go out and um, get funding when I was at Big Brother Big Sister, you know, you're making sure that you're catering to these elected officials and they know what's going on so that when it's time for them to do the budget for the city, yeah. they know, okay, well, you were in my community. I saw mm -hmm. you working. Like, okay, I'm going to give you... Mm -hmm. Allocate the... You, exactly. Allocate bands. the funds. Right. But if you're not doing that, if you don't know how to do that, mm -hmm. then it may be hard for you to get, you know, that type of funding. If you mm -hmm. go the foundation route, you know, you need to make sure you're hitting your target, you're hitting your goals, making sure you understand your objectives. Um so, yeah, I, I tell people all the time, like, one of the things I learned from this council member when I wanted to work with her one time, and she told me, like, you don't need to work with me to become me, mm. essentially, right? So many times you feel like we have to work in a place in order to, like, mm. develop it. There's so many other ways that you can learn about something without actually having to work there. It mm. just takes a little bit more effort, you know? So what that might means volunteering. That might me means doing a lot of reading, Go on different like events and like just trying to attain as much knowledge as you can. Finding people that have the skill sets that you lack to produce, you know, this organization that you want sure. is important. Question: Did you ever um, want to get into politics? I did. I feel a little, a little political energy, like Word. really. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I see a twenty twenty or something like huh? that. Put that bid in. Listen, I did. I actually did want to run. <laughs> that slow clap is so trash. Um, <laughs> I did want to run for um, the council seat in Harlem. Nice. And when I started working for the mayor, I realized that you do not need to be an elected official to have an impact on your community mm. or your city. Um, and that many times these individuals are compromised compromised, and they don't mm. have as much power as you think they do, mm. you know, mm. and that everyone is coming in. Like someone is pushing someone else's agenda. Yeah. Mm. Eight out of 10 times. Wow. Um, so I'd rather be the push person that's pushing someone's agenda than having someone's agenda be pushed on me. Um, mm. Mm. You know, and that's just from my experience. And I think a lot of my friends who've worked in um, government kind of have the same feeling. Right. Um, they got say, some stories, y'all. Not to say yeah, that I would How do you protect yourself against that? Like, for for somebody who's I probably, like, in a... Like, in what? Because like, you, you, need, you need money to, you know, yeah, you fund need, your projects. Yeah, you need you know? it. But it's... it's I've, I've met some cool folks, like... I think your morals don't have to be compromised, but I think once you start, and again, like, I don't know what that's like to like be in a room and someone's like, 
his multi-million dollars to mm. like, I, you know, like we can all say what we won't do when mm. we're not in those mm. situations. But I do think that if you have your morals clearly like aligned and set out, I think there's conversations that you wouldn't even entertain, especially if you are um, leading a community that's already been taken advantage of, you for know? Sure. So for electeds that are in areas of color, like predominantly areas of color, and we've seen our communities been stripped away from resources and we've seen people take advantage of us, we have to have a stronger backbone, you know, not to mm. allow people to do anything they want to do to us because many times these elected officials are the first line of defense. Right. So it's just like we have to be okay with putting up the good fight. You know, I think Mayor Roz Baraka in Newark is doing an excellent job with that. Like Newark is mm. like... Thriving, no, Newark is thriving, but it's going a lot slower because they're just not allowing any Anybody, old thing right, to right. happen. Mm -hmm. You know, not they're really trying to stop gentrification from occurring. That's you know, they're point. trying to because if point. if if he wasn't, Newark would have already would have exploded. It, it would have been exploded because the conversation about Newark has been happening. Word. So we have to give him a pat on his back that he's doing as much as he can mm -hmm. for as long as he's as he can and, and Cory Booker before him, like to really make sure that Newark stays Newark, you know, and I think that it takes people that's like that that have a really strong backbone that really believe in their community, that believe in us, because we're seeing it across the country. Like, Atlanta, like, Charlotte, Philly, D.C., we're losing. You know, we're losing out because... We're getting pushed out. We're pushed out Where are we getting pushed to? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Atlanta? Atlanta, people are getting pushed to the suburbs. Yeah. Mm. I remember when I was younger and there was like this crazy, like, rush to the Poconos. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody mm. was getting all of this, like, the subprimes or whatever, and mm -hmm. they were just buying houses in Pennsylvania, just leaving. Whoa. So, if, like, if they had like a, a property, maybe if they got handed out a property in Bed Stuy or mm -hmm. whatever, they would just sell that and, oh, I'm going to Pennsylvania. And now it just, well, you know what it looks like. Boom. Yeah. Like, people that would never live <laughs> in many of the areas of Brooklyn are like, I <laughs> know. Uh, that's that was it. It's, you know, ideal. Like, yeah, our corner stores are gourmet cafes. It's just and... crazy. I'm not upset at that. <laughs> oh, so you're tired of the cats? You you're one of those. No, I, I love the bodega cat. <laughs> I'm just saying though, you know. Franz is like, like little, hood bougie. But if I could get a little watercress <laughs> from you know Abdul, I'm not gonna be upset about but it. But you know like, what? That's a, but that's a, that's another part, right? The idea that we can't have anything good. Mm. You yeah. know, that like if if we're here, then it gotta be like the nasty bodega with like the know. old cheap chips from like Nineteen eighty nine. You know, it's crazy. I was thinking about that. I was actually walking through the hood yesterday. Um, I'm on Church Avenue, right? Mm -hmm. What are you doing, my guy? Like, Don't worry about that. But anyway, right? <laughs> Sounds like a late night creep. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but anyway, <laughs> right? But I would say because you know Malcolm X said the you know that the line it was like you go into these different um different communities. You go into the Asian community. You go into the white community. You go into the Jewish community. There's no black businesses. You go into a black community now. Every Everybody other, is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I will say one thing, though, about the black community. You know who's thriving, though? The West Indian oh, food spots. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, facts. There's nobody's talking about that. Like, That's interesting. There's like one on every block. 
and they get money. The exactly. Haitian spot, mm-hmm. I went to a Haitian spot out there. The Caribbean, the Trini spots, the the Jamaican restaurants, that they be having lines like they. I could, you can't tell me they don't clear like a half a million to a million a year, but they're quiet. Or oxtail it. gravy cake, <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> but nobody is like talking about. <laughs> or even um the Spanish spots are dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get your mango, you come through, you good. But like that's the only thing I actually see thriving. I can say what's but up. But you know what? We do have to give our generation some credit. I think that you know in the panel that we just did um, about like the resurgence of the golden era, right? Mm-hmm. And like the golden era was 1900s to the 1930s when black businesses was completely thriving in the country because we were segregated and we could only depend on ourselves. Um, And then after the Great Depression, money started leaving and the business started failing. In addition to the fact that white people started seeing our businesses doing great and like black wall street, they burnt that up. Like, you know, like, so, so there was a, there was a combination of a lot of things happening. Um, We are starting to see a lot of black entrepreneurs thrive. And I think technology has helped us a lot with that for right? sure so i think we are starting and we're we're more knowledgeable like i don't i remember my dad talking about this because he was a black business owner um but the idea of like shopping black like that wasn't mm. that wasn't a thing yeah, yeah. you know i think when we were younger growing up and i think now we are more knowledgeable. We are aware. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying our hardest not to make the same mistakes of the past. Yep. Yeah. So I'm interested. I do think that we are entering this new golden era. And thankfully to technology, we are we are trying to use it to our benefit, yep. you know, to sh- to start like these e online stores or whatever the For case sure. may be, you know, having yeah. our own. I'm interested to see where that leaves us in the yeah. next 10 to 15 years. You're right. So it is a new Talking about ownership, buying yeah. homes, like th- we're trying, like we're we're trying to yeah, we're trying to do it. it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so speaking of technology, you're mm-hmm. currently at um, Link NYC, mm-hmm. um, which is I started seeing these like kiosk machines popping up a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I was excited about them because they had a USB port. Ha! Charge that iPhone. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was I thought it was remarkable because you know. For a long time, they had, like, new. when I was growing up, there were so many, like, phone booths around. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go in or pay phones, and those started disappearing. And I was worried about, like, I'm like, yo, like, how would homeless people call yeah. or whatever? Or, you know, I remember my homegirl Precious in high school. She used to have, like, a bag of quarters. Oh, <laughs> she would go to the pay phone and call her mom? Yeah. Or, or whoever she was calling. She was calling Squeaky. You know what I'm saying? Precious, you don't need your quarters no more, sis. <laughs> you out there. <laughs> Shout out to Precious. Shout yeah, out to yo, Precious. What up, PJ? But yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I, most recently though, I saw the um campaign with Shriver's Row, mm-hmm. and I thought it was amazing. Yeah, because there's so many people that um need to you know know that there are these professionals out mm-hmm. there that look like them. Yes, and and that things are possible. Tell us a little bit about you know your your interest into Link and and a little bit about that part. Yeah, so. Link, um, when I was working with, on the, in the mayor's office, one of the last like projects w- was this. Um, the idea that the city wanted to remove the payphones and replace it with an innovative system. Um, Intersection was the company that put in the RFP. They won the RFP to create the Link kiosk mm. that will replace the payphone, essentially. Um, so for me, when I saw, so after I left the mayor's office, me too, like around 2015, 
I'm like by 72nd Street and I see that the pay, these kiosks have popped up. I'm like, oh, snap. I remember this. Um, it has been an amazing journey to see. To see how this is how, how see how this has developed. Yeah. Um, the links right now, there's 1800 in the ground in New York City. Nice. Um, wow. We have over a billion I believe, like, users on the Wi-Fi. Um, so people are using the Wi-Fi. People are making the phone calls. Um, what's interesting, the most um, used, most dialed phone number is the EBT line. So that's letting you know, like, mm. another population because you mentioned that about making sure that homeless people are able to, like, use the phones and, and take advantage of this. They are able to do that. We have a tablet, which um, allows you to, like, look up social services, Google Maps, um, and then we have our digital screens that help us make money. Um, so the digital screens is advertising, you know, of all sort. But one of the cool things about the company is that we have an opportunity for small businesses to advertise for free Fire. for t- on two links. And then nonprofit organizations or smaller organizations, we do partnerships with them to run their campaigns. So um, I met Destiny, Destiny, another Howard alumni, HU in the building. <laughs> you know. And thank you. And um, Destiny started um, Sharvis Row, and she has been doing amazing work with For connecting sure. creatives and entrepreneurs homie. together and building this community. And we started in August running a campaign because August is National Black Business Month, mm-hmm. running stats about the number of black businesses in New York City on the links. And for me, that is the most like, like fulfilling piece of my job is being able to work with organizations of color, with individuals that look like me, because many times people see the links and they're like, I want to put an ad on here, but I don't know if I have access to it. I don't know if I'm able to. And now to be able to expand that access to communities that might not have known that this was uh, an opportunity they can take advantage of fills my heart up. So we did that campaign. It was amazing. And then for Black History Month, we ran a campaign um, um, highlighting, again, our work in the community, highlighting different creatives and entrepreneurs. And people responded so well to it. Yeah. Um, because, again, to your point, you know, having this creative in areas and populations that, like, people might not, you know, can't say that you won't see us, but right. you don't know the story behind, yeah. you know, behind us all the time. And it's just putting some more color behind African-Americans, especially African-American millennials. Yeah. So, I so. think it's so far because it's like one of the one of the links that I've seen recently was near a high school. Mm. And I was I just happened to be in the area where, you know, school was letting out. Mm-hmm. And I saw um, Bree from Sprite Spin, like her face oh, was fine. like on the yeah. chart. And I was just like, wow, like, that's so ill to me. Like, yeah. as a child, like, I mean, they probably not, you know, super duper mm-hmm. engaged or whatever, but it catches your eye. It catches eye, your you eye. Know? And you don't realize many times, we don't realize how much information we're taking in anyway. Uh, yeah. True. You know, so being able to have these images and mm-hmm. have these messaging that's talking specifically to our community in a positive way, you know, un- inatten- unintentionally, mm-hmm. it can be impacting, you know, the youth. For the good and for the positive, because I'm a firm believer that you can't become what you don't see. Exactly. You get to see a black woman that has her own business yeah. and, and you're like, what's that? What, what's that? You know? Yeah, so. And it piques your interest in for some sure. way. So I'm excited now that we are expanding, um, you know, having an opportunity to be responsible for 
our community affairs in the other markets. We're in Newark. We're in Philadelphia. Um, I'm excited to see the other organizations I'll be able to work with. Amazing. And shout out to you. Salute to you definitely for powering and facilitating that process. We appreciate you for Big real. Big facts. Um, I got to get out of here. Um, I always wanted to say I got to like wash my school. hair, guys. <laughs> I got a um, turban on. It's like It's so a mess. You know, so good. It's so <laughs> good. But before you bounce, mm-hmm. we, all, we ask all our guests this question. Oh, here, here goes the million dollar question. <laughs> what drives you? Mm, what drives me? What drives me is the idea that I have a responsibility not only to myself, but to my community. And I'm only as great as my community is. So that's what's going to keep me going. That's what has kept me going, uh, making sure that I am a positive influence for those that come after me. Fire. Major. There you go. There you have it. That was cute. <laughs> we gotta send you that. Yo, Alize, thank you so much for coming through. Thanks, you know, guys. And, uh, I'm about to hit up the Bronx. You know, hit oh, salon uh, in the Bronx. Gotta Word. keep it and get that six dollar plate too. You know that arroz con pollo. Oh yeah, might have to do that too. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You already know. Like we always say, it this time, stay driven. Stay driven. Stay driven. Stay driven.